Hi, I'm Patrick Kagan, your host for Sales Hindsights, a conversation that combines my 30 plus years of experience with the expertise of my guests. And trust me, all of them will amaze you. Now, it's been said that hindsight is 2020 vision. So, my guests and I are charged with answering one thing for you. Knowing what we know now, what best practices and takeaways have the last 30 years in sales, sales management, executive leadership, and entrepreneurship provided to us that you can take with you. So enjoy the listen as we poversate for your growth. Okay, thank you for tuning into our podcast, Sales Hindsights. Just by tuning in, you are already getting ahead in the process of self-improvement. During our conversation, you will discover that we will make sales make sense, but we go beyond that. We tackle issues dealing with management, leadership, team building, self-confidence, entrepreneurship, and yep, life itself. So our goal will be to make all of it make sense, and we'll do it with a very practical and easy to understand approach. And we're going to give you those little nuggets that you get to carry with you each day. And when life throws a challenge your way, you'll know exactly what to do. You'll reach down to your pocket, you pull out that nugget, and we'll show you the way. You're going to find you like what you hear. And when you do, I want you to go to our website, pksolutionsgroup.com, for all the resources you will ever need to become the best version of your own professional self. Now, in the podcast show description, you're going to find a link to my calendar. And I want you to use that to set up your own free situation analysis with me. Do it today and do it for you. And finally, thank you for all the likes, shares, and follows. It makes a huge difference. It allows us to continue bringing you the great content that we always bring you and the great guests, like my guest today. Joining me today is a good friend, Merit Khan. She's the CEO of a company called Select Sales Development, and she's been in that role since about 1998. Merit, welcome to our conversation today. Well, thank you. It's nice to be here, Patrick. Glad to have you. Tell us a little bit about what, what uh, Select Sales Development is and does and, and, and how you're helping not just entrepreneurs, but folks who live and breathe in sales every day become better at what they do. Well, most of our clients, I would say, well, I don't know. There's a good subset of our clients that would say, uh, I don't want to identify as a salesperson. I'm a professional. I'm an expert. I'm a business owner. And they're very good at what they do, but they're frustrated because... Uh, they find themselves in a business development position um, when they have to grow their own business because they've been good at what they do. Right. So there's certainly those folks. And then, of course, we've, we certainly work with the people who know that they're in business development and sales roles. And we love those people because they're not in an argument with reality. Because I think <laughs> the fact of the matter is we're all selling something, whether we want to call ourselves a salesperson or not. Um, but over the last 20 plus years, I've worked with lots of different people in lots of different industries from pharmaceuticals to pest control and pretty much everything in between. But the common things are that, you know, they're frustrated because they know that they have a good solution. They know that they're, they provide value, whether it's their products or their services, just the way they work with people and, and organizations and, you know, business should be easier than it is. And so, they're always looking for those strategies. They don't want to be like an old school salesperson. You know, remember the old, the old ABCs of selling was always be closing. Yeah. And that's, that is 
nobody wants that anymore. So the new ABCs of close of selling are authentic business conversations. And that's really what we teach people to do. It's really all, that's why we called the company Select Sales Development. We we spell it S-E-L-L-E-C-T. We want you to stop selling. We want you to start getting selected. And in order to do that, it's really about having authentic business conversations. I think that's um, such a great distinction. And, you know, the I run into a lot of folks who, they say they have that mindset, like you said. I don't want to go into sales. I don't. I'm not. That, I don't want to be pushy. I'm not. I'm not that pushy guy, or I'm not that pushy girl, or I don't like rejection. And I think you're right. The the old school, the you know, the fuller brush salesperson, stick your foot in the door, don't let them close the door, <laughs> and always be closing. And you know, there are people who are pushy, and I just call them obnoxious. And then there are people who are solutions oriented. And I believe they are in sales, even if they are called an engineer, it doesn't matter what you're called. It matters what you do. Um, and I think a lot of folks have that mindset. And I think um, I'd lo- we're going to get into the subject of mindset. And I've, I've talked with folks about this idea of, I don't like rejection. And, and I've challenged the people who tell me that to, to find someone who does like rejection because mm. nobody does. And then I also challenge them to tell me a time in their life whether they were awkward in middle school and trying to make new friends or whatever it was, did they ever actually get rejected and how did they overcome that? And isn't that really sales? You know, if you've been in sales for more than 10 minutes, you've been rejected exactly. <laughs> uh, or you're not doing enough of it. You know, it's, I think, I think that's a, a perfect place to really um, have a shift in mindset because you're not going to be perfect for everybody. It's, it's like dating, you know, you, you're, you're not a perfect match for everyone out there. And it's okay because not everybody's a perfect match for you, right? right? So, you know, you take that same philosophy to business and uh, it's not appropriate to do business with every single prospect out there. You want to look for and qualify or disqualify the opportunities that really aren't your best fit, you know, to, to serve because ultimately it doesn't help anybody. And so I'd rather get... I think my attitude towards rejection is I'd rather get rejected sooner in the process. And, you know, my mindset is like, oh, thank God, (laughs) you know, thank you that that didn't work out. Like that would have been a nightmare. And I just move on. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. And and I mean, you, you could dig into, you know, why is it someone is being rejected? Are they actually being pushy? when they shouldn't be? Are they actually trying to sell everyone when they shouldn't be? Do they actually present a solution? Do they actually present benefits or are they just spending a bunch of features? Who knows? Um, but your philosophy, you try to build this open for business framework when you're working with your clients and, and talking with you offline. It just really was such an interesting way you approach professionals who should be solutions oriented to become better at a profession that really is an honorable profession called sales. So what is the open for business framework that you develop with folks? How does that work? Yeah, it's really a methodology. You know, when I started doing sales training, coaching, consulting back in 98, it really, all I really had at that time was the mechanics of selling. I had some good techniques. I had some strategies and tactics and that's all I could really rely on. But I I had one of those moments where I had two guys that were both sitting in my training class. At that time, I had a training center and I would teach a new piece of the puzzle every week. 
people would come to the training center and these two guys, Stephen and Daniel, sat right next to each other in class. They worked for the same company, teaching the same, you know, learning the same skills from the same trainer in the same moment. They sold the same products in the same territory at the same price point. And honestly, I think they kind of looked alike. I mean, <laughs> everything was the same with these two guys. Right. But Stephen had great results. He would take everything that he learned in class. He was like this perfect little soldier. He would go out there. He would put it into action and he got a great result. And I felt like a training rock star. I was like, I am the best sales coach ever. Like this stuff really works, except that then Daniel would come to, to class and, you know, not have much to say in terms of, you know, the success that he was experiencing. And it really made me, you know, kind of scratch my head and go, well, I can't take credit for Steven's success if I'm not always also being responsible for the fact that Daniel hasn't really done anything different. So unfortunately, it's not me. <laughs> like, I, you know, I had to kind of like put my ego to the side and say, all right, it has nothing to do with your coaching. It has nothing to do with your training. And I think that's sort of the the um, unfortunate secret uh, that sales trainers don't want anybody else to know is that it has nothing to do with what we're doing. It has everything to do with what you're bringing to that conversation. Mm -hmm. It has everything to do with your ability to execute the the lens that you see opportunities through. It's your ability to be open minded, open to new ideas and new strategies and tactics to the extent that you are not open nothing that you or I is ever going to say is going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. So really the first step to any new closed deals is got to be an open mind. And once I understood that, honestly, it changed everything in my business, changed everything for my clients. Um, and now instead of being invited as a, to a conference to speak on any number of sales, very specific topics, I'm invited more often now to be the opening keynote to open people's minds to the good information that they're going to that they're going to receive throughout the rest of the event. And that is really I think the secret sauce is how do you open someone's mind to receiving your value, to seeing new opportunities. Mm -hmm. And so what are some of your tips or lessons you've learned on ways to help folks open their mind? I always I I say it like they have to be ready, willing, and able. Or and if all three aren't there, nothing's going to change. And I, but I like the way you say it better. The the whole idea of the open mind leads to open for business. What, how do you help someone? I guess recognize that they, they they're approaching it with a closed mind, and then uh, open their mind, and then be, begin to move forward. What do you do? Well, first of all, I love your ready, willing, and able. So for me, those would be the the qualifiers, right? You're qualified to do business when you are ready, willing, and able. And there's many layers within what that looks like to be ready, willing, and able, right? Just in terms of decision-making process, budgets, effort they're going to put in, all of that. But to get to that point, before they can even acknowledge that they're ready, willing, or able, they have to be open. And so when I talk about that, there's a couple of different pieces of the puzzle. Number one, if your listeners, if you're driving, don't do this. But if you uh, if you can have one hand on the wheel, make a fist with one hand and a closed fist. Think of that as your prospect's mind, right? Closed. And if you think about it, this is the default setting for all of our prospects. They're closed for business. They they can't take in any new information. They they've heard it all. They want to get in and get out. 
like it's just they're closed to any new ideas. And in if you in your other hand wave around a, a credit card or a dollar bill or a Vegas chip or whatever it is that represents your value, if you try to get that dollar bill into your closed fist, you can't do it. And so I, I make that analogy that all day long we're trying to wave our value, what we see as our value into somebody's closed mind. And then we're sitting there scratching our heads going, I wonder why they weren't open to hearing my ideas. Mm-hmm. Well, the very first thing before you can get your value into their hand, you have to open their hand, open their mind so that your value can rest right there on top. Mm-hmm. And with that, that analogy, people start to have some light bulb moments. And really all it takes is four simple words. It's the difference between asking someone, are you interested in hearing about our services versus are you open to hearing about some of the services that we provide that, you know, people like you who have shared similar frustrations um, are seeking solutions for? Like, Mm -hmm. it's just, are you interested in versus are you open to? Right. Because nobody wants to be identified as somebody who's closed minded. That's almost a universal truth. Yeah. I like, so, I, I do like that. Are you open to, um, and I use, I, I think I find myself using that. And I learned the hard way, like you said, where I, I would ask the question and say, nope, you know, are you interested? Nope. Not interested. Nope. Heard of that. I'm like, oh, okay. That's not going to get me anywhere. And then I started asking like, what would happen if, and they would be like, well, what would happen? And well, things would get better or I would be the hero or we would save $40 million or whatever it was. What would happen if was a really nice pairing with, are you open to? Yeah. And it, and it was, a, and it became where it's conversational. And I wasn't always like that. I was, I was probably like you're talking about, just believing I was open minded, trying some tactics with absolutely no strategy behind it and no <laughs> thought of the other person. Because who wouldn't need these great products I'm offering when in fact not everyone needs it? That's a, that's a true, that's a truism there. Um, so I, so, with open the open for business framework, you're starting with an open mind. I mean, what else? I mean, it's more than just having the right mindset. What else do these folks need to get from you? Or do they get from you besides now I'm open minded? Now what? <laughs> right. So the reason, first of all, that we call it the open for business framework is that there's a, a big distinction between being open for business in the sense that you're available to conduct a transaction, right? Your store is open. You know, you can, you can do where the shopping cart is ready for you to transact. So that's one level of open for business, but being truly open for business is a mindset and it's, it's how you're in motion in the marketplace. That's what makes the difference. And so we, we look at what we call our open for business framework. This is really what our methodology that we teach And it's comprised of three key components, and those are mindset, what you think, mechanics, what you say, and motion, what you do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, like I mentioned at the beginning of my career, all I had was let me help you get the right words. Let me help you with the mechanics of selling, which is what you say. And then I would certainly work with people a little bit on their goals and their action plans. So that was a little bit about what you do, but I truly didn't understand the power of what you think and how you help other people expand what they think is possible. So 
really bookending mindset and motion against the mechanics of selling really made all the difference because, you know, you could have a a lot of the right words. I can train you in all the right things to say in a sales conversation. But the fact of the matter is, if you don't fundamentally believe that more is possible or believe that uh, you are the right solution, it's not going to really work. And so we had to, you know, really look at how are we serving our customers in all three of those aspects. And some people, frankly, they they have great mechanics of selling. They're just not doing enough activity. So great, let's hunker down and work on what it is to be in motion. One of my clients I uh, was coaching this morning, actually, we talked about this concept that I, I share in uh, keynote programs often, which is on the, the motion piece, which is to think of yourself as a painkiller and a vitamin for your clients. And it used to be because that idea has been around for a while. But when I first learned about the painkiller vitamin concept, it was it was in favor of being a painkiller, not a vitamin. Mm-hmm. And, and so in the sales world, you know, we we talked about, you know, find your prospects pain and then your solution should kill their pain. Because people are going to pay more to avoid pain than to gain pleasure and all of that, you know, scenario. But in hindsight, what I have learned is that you also want to be a vitamin. So what can I do? First, let me solve the problem that is causing you pain right now. But then how can I work with you? What additional products, services, offers can I can I deliver that will keep you healthy so you don't have this pain? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that looks a lot of different ways in a lot of different businesses. Mm -hmm. So, but I think that was, you know, that's a game changing lesson. And that's how we look at motion in term in is in terms of future ways that you can continue to grow business and add to an existing transaction by adding value and extending building on that relationship. Yeah, I was uh, speaking to a group. Uh, the other day, and I, I believe I said something along the lines to these sales folks that customers hear what you do and ignore what you say. And mm-hmm. and so what you do screams so loudly. So I love the idea that you're taking where your mind goes, so goes the rest of your world. Yes. And so you, if you don't believe in the product or service and people say, oh, no, I believe in it. It's great. And they're doing nothing. Yeah, that's a problem. But if they don't believe in it or they are just paying lip service to their boss or whoever, there's going to be disconnects and problems. And your methodology, I think, uh, gets people not only open for business, it gets them staying in business. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> no, a- amen. I'm telling you, because it is literally a formula to say, look, I got off track. Where do they get off track? Oh, it's what I'm saying. It's my mechanics are off a little bit. Oh, it's what I'm doing. I'm spending more time talking about selling rather than selling or simple things like what are the prime selling hours during the day when my customers are most likely to be where I can reach them. Little things like that are tweaks. It's not like overhauls and that you don't belong in sales, but you can look at the categories and say, I'm a little bit off over here. Or maybe you did stop believing. Who knows? Well, and one of them is going to strengthen the other. So most of the time I'll start people with let's, you know, let's not jump in and try to shift your mindset right away. Let's 
let's give you some language so that you feel more in control of your sales conversations. And that's going to build your confidence and you're going to experience your, so when you're more confident with what you're saying, you're going to want to go out there and say it more. So that's going to impact your motion. You're going to have some better results and that's going to impact your mindset. So it really doesn't matter where you start. I could build a case for starting in any one of those three and how it positively impacts the others. You know, I think the key is to not be in an argument with reality on how you're wired in any one of those three areas. And so once you have you add structure to all three and probably the most difficult one is how do you you know, we've all heard like, oh, you should have a strong mindset. Okay, well, what does that mean, really? Like, how do I work on that? Right. You know, it's not like. You know, I don't, I'm not talk, talking about like stand in the mirror and tell yourself you're beautiful. Right. You know, right. It's let's go beyond that. Right. Um, no, it's good. And and uh, I, I what I really like, uh, you know, when I'm looking at your your whole approach, um, you're trying to expand people's strengths and their abilities, and so you're not trying to make them into something they aren't. You aren't about catchy techniques and tactics and closing techniques and stuff that doesn't work. Um, I remember someone talking to me about, well, I'm going to use the doorknob close. I'm like, what the hell's a doorknob close? Oh, I I mean, you know know what it is, but I'm like, that's really, that's what that, and you think that's going to make the difference. That's going to sell this person. We used to call that the Columbo. Like you get to the door (laughs) and then you turn and go, you know, just one other thing. I mean, (laughs) and doesn't that just seem so, that's what I think turns folks off about the concept of sales is stuff like that. Yeah, it's just it's just not authentic. And the fact of the matter is that all those old techniques, you know, they were new at one time and you could get away with them. But now everybody knows that stuff. And so it sounds techniquey. And then that that diminishes your credibility. And that's what's happening. That's why it feels pushy and salesy is because they think they immediately notice you're trying to do some move on them. And that just doesn't feel good. So, yeah. you know, you always want to stick with authentic business conversations. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think at the heart of that is, and this goes back to all of sales, if you could throw out the techniques and say, you like you used the analogy perfect earlier about like if it was dating or meeting somebody, how are you going to get to know that person? Well, you're going to ask questions and you're going to listen and then you're going to probably ask a follow up question based on what they said, not from some script that says question number four comes next. I mean, right. that's the technique. I mean, that I'll... I will say, I will say though that in the mechanics of selling, we don't teach we don't teach scripts. Yeah, but we do teach formulas, yeah. right? So there's a distinction there, and you know, like if you want to set the expectations of of how a sales process goes, we teach an acronym we call PLAN: P L A N, Purpose, Logistics, Agenda, Next Steps. Mm-hmm. So, you know throw the script out the window. All you have to do is remember, okay, I'm starting a conversation. I need a plan. And so that just guides you through mm-hmm. the right words yep. because it sort of gives you more confidence, right? To go in. Cause you're like, okay, I know, I know how I'm going to take control of this conversation. Cause I've got my plan. So it gives you confidence mindset. And then you are directed to the right language just by following the formula. And I think that's just a, a good way way that we've um, been able to help people, um, you know, especially if there's team selling together, things like that, like you, you have a shared common language, sales language, you know, exactly where your cohort is in the game. And now you can work together as a team. So we work a lot with, 
with people that are, you know, team selling or trade show selling, like all of those kinds of dynamics, when you when you follow a, a, a consistent process, it makes it easier for everybody. Well, and you're exactly right. And and having that that recipe, that formula, the PLAN, and everyone's familiar with it, and that becomes a culture and that becomes a way of doing business. And you think about how timely that is, you know, coming out of the pandemic and how many folks are selling remote and in a Zoom call and your sales partner might be across the world on a Zoom call and they understand where you're at and what you're doing and what you're saying because that's the formula. And yes. so that's that's what makes perfect sense is that it is dynamic, but it is interactive and it does allow to listen to what a client says they need and help you interpret you need that, but I've discovered that there's more to this that maybe you're not seeing. And so this discovery together becomes this co-branded solution, client and salesperson together. Yep, exactly. You're, you're brilliant, Merritt. I'm telling you, I love, <laughs> I'm going to enroll. I can't wait for the next opportunity to listen to you keynote speak. Um, you did write a book, uh, and I believe you're working on another one, which we won't get into because it's not ready for release. But your your book is called... Myth shift, challenging the truth that sabotage success. Is that right? That is correct. Okay, I got the title correct. And within the book, there's a chapter I was reading a little bit, um, and you talked about redeciding. I'd love if you just kind of go into what is redeciding and why is that important and how does it help? Well, most of my uh, clients over the years have been the the high powered executives, leaders, you know, the sales professionals, etc. And it's challenging because everybody's been told, you know, you got to set a goal and you got to stick to it no matter what and and push on, you know, towards that goal achievement. And I always thought that that was really good advice until it wasn't. And the reason that it wasn't was new information would come into our experience. And all of a sudden I realized like going for that original goal at the expense of, uh, you know, with with without acknowledging this new information could have been very detrimental. And I know we're all over the, the pandemic examples, but I can't help it. It's a universal shared experience and it really makes for a great example. Um, but right at the beginning, you know, my January 2020 goals, uh, I was actually going to taper back on some of the coaching and consulting part of my business. And I was really make my business model was really fully keynote speaking, large conferences, opening keynotes. And, and then the pandemic happened and all events were canceled. Now, if I pressed through and I've been like, well, my goal is my goal. I'm going to make this find a way. Well, uh, there were no keynotes to be had, like, right. there were no events. I would have been starving. So I redecided based on that new information, my goal as well as my action plan. And, you know, thankfully was able to kind of, you know, dial down the speaking, dial up the coaching and consulting and everything was fine. And now here we are 2022. I can make a re, I can redecide that decision again and, and change the, the variations of the revenue streams and the way that I market my business and, and, and things like that. But to be in an argument with reality is a is a grave mistake. And the reason I like the I use the term redecide is because it's so much more powerful than 
you know, changing your mind or changing course or flip-flopping, right? All of those things have a negative connotation and leaders especially have a very hard time with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas redeciding is a very powerful place. And so I teach my clients to say things like, based on the information that I had at that time when I made that decision, this was the right course of action. This was the right goal. Um, now new information has come into our awareness and it's important that we redecide our course of action or our, our outcome that we're going after. And for that reason, this is the new plan. And when you say it like that, it's, it comes from a place of power and, you know, and people on our teams look, who look to leaders to be decisive um, can get can rally behind that as opposed to oh leader changing his mind again like that's annoying mm-hmm. and it, it gives them pause and then you don't get the best out of people but redeciding is very powerful I think redeciding especially the way you said it because people are looking for that leadership and and leadership gives comfort in times of trouble and gives yes. direction in good times and I think that when leaders make decisions and Folks don't understand the thought that went behind it. It can seem like the flavor of the month. And then you wait for, is it good or is it bad? Did it blow up in their face? Was it, was it, you know, productive? But taking the information we knew at the time and maybe even recreating the timeline at that time, here was the economy. Here was the, you know, the gross national product. Here's what we were doing. This happened. If we had stayed on that course, guess what? We would have been in the tank. So we made this decision. Here's where we are. And now the economy looks a lot like it did before all this happened, and we're redeciding this. And I think it's good. Not, I just gave a session on strategy, and we talked about the, the beautiful thing about strategy is you have to be prepared to reset it tomorrow mm. <laughs> because information yeah. changes so quickly, circumstances change so quickly, and it is not something you go, there's a strategy, you know, hang it on the wall. That's what's going to guide us all year. It right. is what starts. It's like it's like motivation starts you, but momentum keeps you going. Strategy starts you, and then the tactics will keep you going based on what's unfolding, based on the information you knew. So I love your I love your redeciding. I wanted to make sure I got to that uh, because I think it's powerful the way you position that whole concept, and especially when you think about leaders don't want to say they made a mistake, and it's not that they made a mistake, but people could take it that way. So you give them that, you give them that power, I think. Exactly. Um, Tell us what it means to be certified in emotional intelligence, because I know that's one of your expertise. That's what that's, you are actually certified in that. And tell us what that means. Well, emotional intelligence is really your ability to understand your own emotions and the impact you have on others. So especially for leaders, how important that is uh, to, to be an effective leader And I recently did emotional intelligence assessments and individual coaching for a large leadership team for a multi-million dollar national company. And we assessed 60 of their um, top directors and leaders. And what opened up for them out of that was a much better understanding of, of how they're wired individually. Um, leaders, you know, we need leaders to have high self-regard, to be assertive, to be independent thinkers, to be problem solvers and have optimism. There's a, there's a lot of emotional intelligence attributes we can assess for, and we can see on paper, 
you know, based on how you answered these questions, this is how you showed up. And more importantly, this is how you show up when compared to other top performing leaders. And so it's it's a great exercise and it allows a leadership team in that in that particular case to play to their own strengths and to see where in the team they had complementary skills. Mm -hmm. And so now um, because they this is a very transparent organization, they they shared not necessarily their scores, but, you know, the the fact that, you know, I'm high in self-regard and optimism and these other things and another leader might be high in problem solving and flexibility. And so now they can lean on each other Mm -hmm. and they can really use the strengths of the team as opposed to just how we own, we all individually rely on our own strengths. You know, there's many examples I can, I can point to about this, but emotional intelligence is part of that mindset component of the open for business framework. And I think it's very frustrating for people to try to work on mindset without really having some good data points that give them insight into where they might be strong and where their opportunities are to improve. And so I look at mindset in three very distinct ways. There's your internal mind. Those are the things that you say to yourself. There's your behavioral mind. That's what your actions say to other people. And then there's your emotional mind. And that's really understanding, you know, before before there's an action that shows up, there's an emotion that happens that causes you to act in a particular way. Mm-hmm. And so when you understand your own wiring, then you have more ability to control the expression of those emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for leaders, that's incredibly important because we need people to be productive. Yeah. And so when, you know, if we're triggered and then they think it's about them, then everybody's triggered. Nothing's happening. So, you know, emotional intelligence for leaders is is critically important. But, you know, that's there are ways that you can do an inventory of the things that you say to yourself, the beliefs you have about money and business and self-worth and all those things. And then there's, you know, disc profiles you could do that help you understand how you behave in the in the world. Like, you know, are you a bottom line type person? Are you a story person? Like there's things we can learn about how we behave. And then the emotional intelligence assessment is just, you know, once you know this about yourself, you can't unlearn it and it colors everything, but it gives you so much more power in the variety of ways you can respond to different stimulus. And, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's game changer. <laughs> well, it is a game changer. And it, I think um, I, I asked the question because you thought it was important enough to become certified in this area. And it is why you don't, you don't just claim to, but you actually are, you know, you say I expand people's influence and their impact. And if it's important, their income, but you, you are expanding individuals in ways that make them better people, that make them better professionals that make them better coworkers, uh, make them better leaders, maybe them better at their small business. Well, everything you're saying applies to anyone who's in business. And like you said in the very beginning of our conversation, everybody is selling something. No matter what you do, you're selling something because the old saying of nothing happens till a sale is made is correct. So yes. you're you're having such impact. That I mean, it's it's far-reaching, and it's it's you're literally helping the economy, Merritt. I want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, one person at a time. I, <laughs> I, I'd like to think so. That that sounds that sounds great. Yeah, I, I am Merrick um, I am the economy booster. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting though. I, I was uh, I, I do a lot of podcast interviews. I love I love you know talking. I I love the questions that I get because it makes me think deeper about my own areas of expertise. But I, I was interviewed by somebody else who had a, a sales training business and. Um, at the beginning of our conversation, she kind of looked at me like, well, maybe we're competitors. And I said, no, we're, I don't think so, because that one piece, if I did nothing else with your clients, if I did the emotional intelligence assessment and a, and a coaching conversation, it's going to improve the work you do with your clients. You're going to have more insight. You're going to have more of an opportunity to figure out how you shift and adjust your approach so that you can better help them because you're really getting a peek inside. And she's like, oh, I never really thought about that. And I'm like, I just look at everything like a collaboration. Right. And, you know, that's just part of how I'm wired and my mindset. I'm just looking for, you know, how can we help each other? What can we do? Like, we're all trying to do the best job we can and live the best life we can on our short time on this planet. Um, is You know, there's just let's just look for ways we can help. It's a fresh mindset and you would think that it would be something that like everybody's saying and that we're all doing and unfortunately we're not, but you're right. Not one person is in competition with the next. There's plenty of room and there's plenty out there. And, um, I'm, I'm going to, I drank the Kool-Aid, the Merit Con Kool-Aid. I'm, I'm coming to your next seminar for sure. What's the best way Merit that our listeners, um, they're going to want to hear more from you. They're going to want to read your books. They're going to want to, you know, have you be their keynote speaker. What's the best way to get in touch with you and to get some of the resources that you offer? I always appreciate that. So my my website, MeritCon.com, is the hub for all things. So M-E-R-I-T-K-A-H-N.com. Mm-hmm. If you go there, if you put forward slash podcast on the end of that, that'll take you to some free resources. We do a, a complimentary SWOT analysis that it's either either me or someone on my team will actually go through how you answered all these questions and we do an original like personalized debrief video for you so it's not a boilerplate response and you can kind of see where you where you rank in that mindset mechanics motion um, framework. There's always a let's talk button on there so grab some time on my calendar um, especially if you have a, a conference coming up you want a sales expert or someone to add a little energy and entertainment but some good good content i'm your girl <laughs> not only that what i understand is that you are also a stand-up comedian i do some stand-up so you, yes i do you have people laughing yes. and opening their minds yes yes well laughter is actually one of the best mind openers you know when you're when you're open when you're laughing you're not in a bad mood and you're naturally more open to receiving so that's why comedians can actually shift your thinking by coming at a topic, a, a tough topic, um, you know, poke a little fun at it, make it a little lighter, and it's easier to take. Good deal. So we'll go to M-E-R-I-T-K-A-H-N.com for all the Maricon resources. There you go. Merit, thanks so much for being on our conversation today. I enjoyed having you here. Thanks so much, Patrick. Appreciate it. So that's it for this time. I hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation as much as I enjoyed participating in it. Every person, every business needs some help. Take the first step in your own world. Go to the show description, use the link to my calendar, and set up your own one-on-one time with me 
or go to pksolutionsgroup.com for all your bonus resources. We all have choices, and I'm here waiting when you finally choose a different way, a better way. Until then, let me leave you with some wisdom from one of my favorite musical groups, Rascal Flats. Simply put, my wish for you is that your life becomes all that you want it to be.